from this eyewitness news report from the Gospel of Mark. I've entitled, How Many Times Have I Shown You? How many times have I shown you? How many of you here are teachers? Could you just put your hand up? You're teachers. Wow, lots. How about parents? How many parents do we have? Whoa, hundreds. Okay. How about coaches? Do we have some coaches? Oh, a lot of coaches. How about you've got younger siblings? You're an elder sibling and you've got... See, all of you pretty much are teachers. Pretty much you've spent time showing or telling somebody what to... And we can teach in a lot of ways, can't we? We can teach by talking like this. We can teach by doing or doing outward bound. You go and have experiences. You can... And you have formal teaching, like where you're in rows or in classrooms, and you have informal teaching where you're just hanging out. But a big way of teaching is example. Example. Observing what you do and who you are and how you are. Those of you who are parents, you know this. From, from birth to six, you set limits. That's the way you teach. Johnny, don't go in the street. Cars are bad for your health. You draw a line. You know, so do not do that. From seven to 13, it's example. Kids are watching you like hawks when they're that age. Well, you did that. How come you do that? Why? And from 14 and up, you negotiate. That's just, that's just how it is. So for three years, Jesus has been teaching his disciples. He, I mean, when you read the book of Mark like we've been doing, I mean, every time you turn around, he's doing some fantastic thing that's normal for him. See, what's, what's supernatural for us is like natural for him. Maybe he's just natural and we're subnatural, but whatever it is, that's what he's doing. And for three years, he's trying to communicate to these 12, the gang of 12, if you will, the nature of the Father, his Father, and the nature of the kingdom of God. This different way, not, not just different way of looking at life, but a whole different kind of living. You'd think that, this, that these 12 would, would just be absorbing this through their pores, like, like preschoolers. Preschoolers learn a score of different ways. They don't just learn because you sit them down, because they only have like two minutes attention span. And some of you are saying, well, that's me. I only have a two minute, so could you go on to the next point? Because I'm, I'm good with that one, let's go on, you know. I walked out on our driveway one time, and Susanna, who she, she now, she's our daughter, our third daughter, she has three boys of her own, but she was like three years old or four, and she was lying on her belly in the driveway. It was back in the day, guys. Some of you remember the three-piece suit days where you gussied up and went, and I'm walking out the door in my three-piece suit, and Susanna's on her belly in the driveway looking at a caterpillar. And she said, Daddy, look at this. So I'm saying, yeah, that's it. She said, no, no, get down here, look at this. So I'm in my three-piece suit on my belly in the driveway looking at a caterpillar. And I gotta tell you, caterpillars look different like when they're horizontal, when they're right there like that. There's a different look to them. You can see the little legs and little funny things sticking out. And, but kids just learn that way. They don't know they're learning. They're just checking out a caterpillar. Or our son, Chris, you know, he now has three of his own, but when he was three years old, he was sitting on his mom's lap in the car. We're driving along in Indiana somewhere. And of course, th that was pre-seatbelt days. You know, you could do that. And well, you know, some of you took trips in the seatbelt days, and the kids are in the back seat, and you're correcting, you're swatting, you know, you're doing this, and they're bobbing and weaving, trying to get away. How many remember that? You remember that when you, either as the recipient or as the executor, whatever it is, you know. <clears throat> Last time I said this, a guy walked up and said, you know, if you tap the brakes, they come right back into play. 
We have a comedian named Ken Davis who's going to be here Thursday night, and somebody told me after the first service that, that that's something that he observed as well. So I'm glad I'm in the same ballpark. But, there, but so Chris is there, and I said, Chris, why don't we add something? He's like three or count. He said, okay. I said, so you just tell me how many fingers I have. So I'm one, two, three, four. And then I went, and he went, thumb. So, you know, I don't know how kids learn exactly, but the fact is that we are designed to learn. We are designed to absorb and to understand things. It's, and Jesus is not just trying to give us information. It's not just about how we see life. It's about how we live life. And when you read the Gospels, every time you turn around, he's worked at this. I mean, he's shown them dozens of different ways that God is, and he shows up. He's fed the 5,000 with five loaves. He's healed dramatically, like last week he did the ears and the tongue of that man that Pastor Derry talked about. It's this marvelous thing. And, uh, you know, I spoke last month, and he walked on the water, and he shouted in the storm, and I was just commenting that, that he shouted, take courage, I am, don't be afraid, and I said, it's just like one word. How many of you, well, I'm not going to ask if you remember this or not, I don't expect you to, but I think he shouted in the storm, take courage, I am, don't be afraid. Why don't you shout that with me? Just, take courage, I am, don't be afraid. That, you know, he's saying stuff to them, he's doing stuff with them. He's got to be thinking, how many times do I have to tell these guys? How many times do I have to show them stuff? Well, Mark 8, our text, is one of those, here we go again. Read it with me in your mind. I'll read it out loud. During those days, another large crowd gathered, and since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but, but where in this remote place can, can anyone get enough bread to feed? Well, I've heard this question before, just a little while before when he fed the 5,000. This is the same question they're asking. And this time, he just asked them a question back. How many loaves do you have? And they didn't, maybe they were ready for this because they didn't have to go find a little kid who had a lunch. They just said seven. And he told the crowd to sit down on the ground, and then he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks. He broke them, gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well, and he gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate, were satisfied, and afterward the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were present, and having sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came, this are religious types. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply. Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat, crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread. Well, that's understand. I mean, they've been up to their eyeballs in bread here for the last little bit, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread, because he said the yeast word. Yeah. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? 
Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve they were playing. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Seven, they answered. He said to them, do you still not understand? How many times have I shown you? Life is learning. Point one, learning is intentional. Learning is intentional. Thousands of people followed Jesus for three days because they wanted to learn. They wanted to be, what is learning? How does that, where does it get its basis? Last week, Pastor Derry was saying he was interested in the whole business about Jesus putting his fingers in the ear and then touching the tongue because he was curious about stuff like, well, curiosity may have killed the cat, but it's what makes people grow. Curiosity is at the heart of learning. When I had classes in education 100 years ago, they said, always remember the six serving men, the six questions that you ask when you want to learn. Why, how, what, who, where, when. So they're coming saying, what's going on here? Who is this person? Where is he going to be next? When did this start? Why is he doing this? Wow, how did he do that thing? Like with the ears and the... How did he do that? That's what learning is comprised of. And Jesus keeps showing them over and over and over and over the character of his kingdom. Today's the last day of the Olympics. I love the Olympics. You know, they do stuff and I turn to Ruth. This is our standard line. I look at her and say, I could never do that. <laughs> then they dive and triple and, you know, and I, I say, whoa, I, no, I couldn't do that. So almost everything in the Olympics I couldn't do except the part of the food show that Matt Lauer or those guys do. Olympics aren't just happening, they're intentional. A person gives four years so he or she can run for 10 seconds and win the 100 meter. Business doesn't just happen, it's intentional. Art just doesn't happen, it's intentional. Technology just doesn't happen. It's intentional. My question is, am I an intentional learner? Do I, do I wake up each week and say, I just like to, I'd like to grow and to learn some stuff. I don't know that logically that I have that or intellectually I have that in my mind every week, but I think it's sort of a frame of reference. 1978, I had the privilege of becoming president of a small college in California, and I was asked in a public gathering, what's your vision for the students? And this was a college that trained people for vocational ministry and for education, for teaching classes, for, uh, for school teachers. And I said three things. I said, I, I'd like to see our students totally engaged in the kingdom, knowing that, that there's a bigger view of life. Secondly, I want them to be practical mystics. That is, people who are two inches off the floor but not off the wall. Not weirdo type people, but people who know they have a vital relationship with the Most High God. And thirdly, I want them to be students who never stop learning their whole lives. Never stop learning their whole lives. Oliver Wendell Holmes, Supreme Court Justice from 1900 to 1932. He was an author. He was a doctor. He, this is what he said. A man's mind stretched by a new idea never goes back to its original dimensions. 
A man's mind stretched by a new idea never goes back to its original dimensions. And of course Jesus is tossing out ideas right and left that, that just blow their minds. I mean, talk about stretching your mind. Just about the time they, they try to get their mind wrapped around this, something else happens over here. So it's, it's understandable that they might not get it all. But we're not just talking about information here. We're talking about transformation. For young people who were born 1985 or after, they're called millennials. This is the first generation that is not need, has not needed an authority figure to get information. All they do is Google it. All they do is go to Wikipedia or do whatever. And the problem is not all that information is accurate or correct or in context. Or, but we're not just talking about information when we're talking about learning. We're talking about formation and transformation. Like Paul says in Romans, the 12th chapter, and we use these verses a lot. I love these verses because partially because I'm still grappling with how do you do that? This is how it reads, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, how do you, how do you get transformed? How do you put yourself in a place where you get renewed or get stretched or break open categories so you can hear or see in a different way. Well, part of it can be teaching sessions like this, but part of it could be a small group that you're in. I'm just talking about practice here. Or a mission trip you go on. You get on a plane and go to Mexico or Guatemala or Azerbaijan. or something. I mean, that'll break you open a little bit. You see things in a different way. Prayer walks just like we're suggesting, or sharing hope, going out and participating that way, or you count, or timber. I mean, there are hundreds of ways that we learn. Even having a conversation with one other person, that's like reading a book without the commas or the periods or any of that kind of stuff. It's first person singular. It's you learn a lot about God at work in somebody's life when you have those kind of conversations. Point two, learning makes space for seeing and understanding. Learning makes space, makes room for seeing and understanding. Some people know it all. Some people already have everything set, locked in. They think they know how life works, at least for them. That's the Pharisees. These are people who come they don't have questions for Jesus. They have statements. They don't have inquiry. They have an agenda. The Pharisees come and say, show us a sign. I love this part of this text. It makes me crazy when I read this part of the text. They say, show us a sign. He has just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves. And they say, could you like do a miracle? And I want to grab him and say, what's the matter with you people? Can't you see? And of course the answer is no. Because they are locked in to a particular way that mostly has to, or all has to do with them. These are people who are in control. You see, at this point in history, this is a dictatorship. They're under the thumb of Rome, but political and religious leaders are in bed with Rome, if I can put it that way. And anytime you take religion and politics and put it together, 
there's nowhere to go. They tell you how to think. They tell you how to spend money. They tell you where you can't go and where you can't spend money and you can't do any of that. They are totally locked in. And Jesus comes along preaching this kingdom where you're not totally locked in but where your doors are unlocked and you're made free. And that's a total threat to these people. Just parenthetically, let me just make this observation. In the last few weeks, a couple of months actually, in Washington, D.C., and also here, I've had several conversations about our culture as a nation. We are not a dictatorship in the United States of America. And I have a friend in Washington, Lloyd Ogilvie, who's chaplain of the United States Senate, say there is separation of church and state institutionally, but there's not a separation of God and country. And we as kingdom people, as kingdom comers, in the community, have both a joy and a responsibility to be able to bring values and thinking and light to a dark place, wherever we are, to inform the conversation, to speak into that. Now, this is a season when we get to vote for everybody from the president all the way down to, and I encourage you, get engaged and do that. Be a part of the country in that way because that's what we have the freedom to do. I just put that in parentheses here because it's not exactly in the text, but I, but I just realize that we, we as, a, as a nation have freedoms that were bought with a great price. And to be able to walk in that, when I stood with my 13-year-old grandson on Utah Beach in the Normandy beaches two months ago, I said, Sammy, the guys who landed here were, many of them, only five years older than you are. And in one day, 150,000 men landed on 50 miles of beach. And, and the world has never been the same, but that's a huge price to pay for what we get to do like this. We get to worship, we get to sing, we get to... Anyway, I'll get carried away. So watch out for ways of thinking that take your life away. Point three, learning sometimes takes a 180-degree change of mind. Sometimes it takes a 180-degree change of mind. Can I say that again? Learning sometimes takes a 180-degree change. I have a friend who says, you know, Foth, you work out your very, very best plan about how you're going to do something, and if you turn it 180 degrees, that's probably the way Jesus would do it. I hate it when he says that because I have some pretty good ideas. I got some plans. But the fact is that his ways are so different than my ways. The ways of things. Well, listen to it. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Because they said the yeast word. Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Don't you remember? He's, I mean, this is not baby Jesus meek and mild. He's confronting their senses. He's saying, have you been listening? Have you been watching? How's, how's that been going? Like, are your heart, you got calluses on your heart? What's, what's happening there? Or how's your memory? Like we just did the loaves and the fish thing, right? I mean, we just did it. Like, do you remember that? This is a fourth paraphrase, but... And then he gives them a math lesson. I I'm not a good math guy. I, I don't do very well. I, I use words, but math is not my strong suit. And when I read this, how, he said, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? 12, they replied. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls? Seven, he said to them, do you still not understand? And I read that and I go, no. I don't get, any of you with me on that? I say, well, you know, I do. No, 
And it isn't that I don't want, it's not that I don't want to be a learner, but it's just so much, it's coming at me. Well, let me, let me put it a different way. Here, here's God's math. Okay, you ready for this? Here's a little math lesson on Sunday. If you had, according to this text, if you had 4,000 people and you wanted to feed them bread, how many loaves would it take? How many? Seven, according to this text. And you have seven basketfuls left over. That's 4,000 people. If you had 1,000 people more, 5,000 people? How many loaves does it take to feed 5,000 people? Five. Two loaves less feeds 1,000 people more, and you don't get seven basketfuls. You get 12 basketfuls left over. Well, these guys only have one loaf in the boat. They only have one loaf. They're saying, all we have is a loaf. It won't even go around the group like 12 guys. Well, if you can feed 4,000 with seven loaves and you can feed 1,000 more with five loaves, how many could you serve with one loaf? Are you with me here? Some of you are saying, no, I still don't get that. I don't get Well, then you're in good company with these guys because it doesn't make any sense. I think his point is very simple. Of course, I have the privilege of 2,000 years. I've got the privilege of the book. They didn't. It's not about the bread. It's not about how high the waves are. It's not about whether I defy physics by walking on the water and shouting in the wind. This is not about what you bring or what conditions or circumstances bring. It's about what he brings. It's about who he is. And when he's on the water or in the boat or at the party, all bets are off. Would you bow your heads with me? Just in this quiet moment, I have three separate questions I want to ask, and I'll ask them very quickly. The first one is this. Some of you are saying, Pastor Dick, I've been sloppy in this learning business. I, you know, I come a couple of times a month or I come every Sunday, but I don't, I'm not really invested in terms of, of wanting to learn in the ways that you've described. But I want to be an intentional learner. And I'd like to just tell the Lord that today, that, that I want to be more intentional about what I do to learn and to grow. And you just slip your hand up and say, would you include me in your prayer? Yep, yep, lots of us. Yeah, yeah. Father, thank you for intentionality. Thank you that you allow us freedom of choice. Thank you that you built us to learn. So as this act of trust and slipping up a hand, I join with these friends in saying, I want to be more intentional. I just don't want to ease by or get my stuff second-handed. I want to invest myself. Second question for some of us is, you say, you know, I beat myself up, up every week because I don't think I have anything to bring to the party. I, I don't have the same talents or enough capacity or sometimes I don't think clearly or and the enemy of my soul is just working me over because I don't think I'm good enough to do this. It's not about what you bring to the party. It's about who he is and what he brings to the party. But you say, I just like to have that cycle of thinking broken in me so I don't think like that. And you'll slip your hand up. Just hold it high. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Lord Jesus, thank you for breaking the cycle of defeatism. 
Thank you for breaking the cycle of wrong thinking. You are the God who came to unlock our doors and to bring it all. It's true, you paid it all and all to you we owe. But for these dear friends who have said, I don't want to think like that anymore. Help us to be new kinds of understanding people. One more question. Some of you are here and you say, you know, I don't know anything about this Jesus. Like this is the first time I've ever heard stories like this, but I'd really like to know more. I'd, I'd like to connect. I'd like to start that journey. I'd like to understand. And you've never said, I want, a, I want a journey with Jesus. I want him to change my life. Some of you are saying, I need, I need my life to be totally new. I want to be a new creation. He promises that in scripture. And in this quiet moment, before I pray finally, you'll slip your hand up and say, would you pray for me? Would you include me in that prayer? You just say, I want to be a new person. Yes, I see your hand. Others, yes, I see you. Yep, raise it high. I see you, sir. Keep it up. Just that's, I see you. Yep. Other others. Just waiting a moment. You just, yes, I see you. Last night, a boy, 10 years old, raised his hand. And afterwards, his mom and the whole family came up. And I almost lost it. Because when a, when a kid says, I want to follow Jesus, it's their whole life. It's not like the last 20 years. It's their whole life. What a gift. Father, thank you for these dear friends who have raised a hand and said, I want to start this journey. I need to be a new person. And even as I pray, let them pray in their hearts. Father, I give my life to you. Make me a new creation. Take away my guilt and my sin from the past and give me a tomorrow that's in you and it's not about me. I start this journey with you intentionally today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Our prayer team is coming this morning. If you have a particular need and you want someone to pray with you, these are some of those folks. Take that opportunity. I have found that sometimes just, just a minute or two in a moment like this makes a whole difference. So don't be in a hurry to go get a roast beef sandwich if you need to come down here and just and have a prayer. If you raised your hand at the end and said, I'd like to start this journey with Jesus, we have a gift for you. On either side of the platform on the stairwells are these kind of packets that say a new believer packet. And out at the guest services, they have one. Come and this will help you with next steps. What a tremendous day it is people saying, I'm, I'm in the kingdom. I want to be intentional learner. I want to break the cycle. That's got to be a great day. That's a great day in the kingdom. And now we get to be sent out. As you leave here today, remember that you are not an accident. Wherever you are this week, you are not an accident for Jesus is with you. Go out to be learners and lighters of the world. Go in his grace. The service begins now. God bless you.